0: One of our scripture readings this morning comes to us from the book of Psalms. It's the 100th Psalm. Listen now for a word from God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into God's presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is God that made us, and we are God's. We are God's people the sheep of God's pasture. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. Give thanks to God, bless God's name. For the Lord is good, God's steadfast love endures forever, and God's faithfulness to all generations. The word of the Lord. It occurs to me that we just read this text with the kids, and we really got into it. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Please pray. Loving God, as we enter once again into this story, the greatest story ever told, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds, refresh our spirits so that we might hear and experience this story in a new and different way that we might penetrate the fog of familiarity and ritual and custom to hear what you have to say to us today and may the meditations of our hearts together upon this your word to us be acceptable in your sight O lord our rock and our redeemer amen well i've got another confession to make i find that this is a great place, this booth, to confess. I don't know. Maybe it's the the sort. Of we're part of the Catholic Church Universal, right? Small C. Catholic is just a synonym for Universal. So when I find myself here in this pulpit, I, I find sort of, you know, the opportunity to unburden myself of things that are embarrassing. But it always feels good to get it out to share with you know this small intimate group of people, online and in person. Uh, So here's my confession, I'm always late to the technology party, Uh, as my daughter always reminds me, I'm of an older generation. Um, So I've just discovered podcasts, and the confession is, the podcast which I've just discovered that I love is called Sleep With Me, yeah. (laughs) Pretty good title, huh? Pretty good for a Presbyterian pastor. Sleep With Me, uh, which is hosted by a guy named Drew Ackerman, is a podcast that helps people fall to sleep, which is something I'm pretty good at. Um, Drew Ackerman calls his show the podcast that sheep listen to when they get tired of counting themselves. And according to Ackerman, the perfect bedtime story is one that is slow and boring. That makes sense. He's from New York City, Ackerman, and when he narrates these stories of his in this podcast, Sleep With Me, he slows his tempo, he lowers his voice. His plots are pleasant, but kind of hard to follow. He goes on long tangents, sound familiar? He kind of explores odd information such as, and I quote, a detailed exploration of the science behind mood rings. The plot of one story involved a secret war between two candy companies, C's Candies and Whitman's Samplers. And as you heard about that fight, that, that conflict, he just dozed right off. But Ackerman says it takes a lot of careful editing to ensure that his stories don't stir up too many strong emotions in his listeners. He doesn't want us to get interested or too interested or too excited so that we can't fall asleep. So what he does is, as he's editing himself, he'll sort of catch himself and say, whoa, I'm getting a little excited here, so they'll probably get a little bit excited, so I'm going to cut that out. Drew Eckerman's podcast, Sleep With Me, has been ranked among the top 50 podcasts of iTunes, and his stories are downloaded about 1.5 million times each month. Now, you might, right now, want to confess that you'd like to say, Pastor Greg, if this preaching thing doesn't work out for you, you could always get a job with sleep with me, and that would be kind of funny and very true, probably, but what I want to do is use that image of sleeping, something we all do and should do more, um, to argue that it's okay to sleep a little bit in church if you'd like, just relax. I remember, before I got paid to do this, uh, coming into church and immediately getting very, very drowsy. Just, just like so calm. I don't know what happened I guess I just sort of relaxed in a way and it wasn't a bad thing uh, i let down my guard I'd kind of drift off there were tangents being explored up from the pulpit I had no idea what was really going on but somehow it got in I guess right um, it's okay to sleep and to dream in our life of worship we don't have to just think cognitively and using the left side of our brain all the time It's okay to drift off because for Matthew, for example, in the story we just read with the children in chapter 1 of his gospel, verses 18 through 25, where he says, now the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, occurred in this way. And then he tells that story with the snoring and the dreaming and the problem, the challenge that Joseph in particular faced. For Matthew, the everything that comes next in the story of Jesus, which is, for him, the most important historical event in human history depends, if you read closely, on a dream, right? Fred Beekner one of my heroes who recently passed away, said in one of the shortest quotes I've ever used from him, faith is the assurance, kind of building on that famous Hebrews verse, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Beekner said, faith is our assurance that the best And holiest dream is true after all. Someone once sent a letter to the world-famous German psychologist Carl Jung describing a dream they had and asking the eminent doctor what it meant. And Carl Jung wrote back, we know, of course, that what happens when a person dreams is a drama taking place on one's own interior stage, where the dreamer is the actors, the libretto, the theater, and the audience all rolled into one. I, therefore, always advise my patients, when they have significant dreams, to regard them as messages from God directed to their own private address." I love that phrase, messages from God directed to our own private address. That's important because Joseph, the dreamer in our text today, had his own private problem, a big one, if you think about it. Our story in Matthew begins, again, right in the first chapter. Jesus' mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. The word is betrothed. It means more than engaged. It means legally bound already. It's kind of like a pre-marriage. The contract's already been signed. The wife, however, does not yet live with her husband. She's still with her parents. The marriage is being planned. The giant feast celebration, which goes on for days, has not yet happened. But they are legally committed to one another, Mary and Joseph. But before that marriage happens, the actual wedding day happens, Mary turns up pregnant. And Joseph knows... It wasn't him. And he is faced with a conundrum. Shame himself, shame her, what do you do? All of his hopes shattered. He falls asleep considering these things and God through an angel, always a messenger of God in scripture, speaks to him in a dream and says no. Don't divorce her quietly. Joseph had decided to sort of, you know, rather than shame Mary publicly, just sort of quietly. He's a good man, he's a righteous man, the word is. But he's gonna, he doesn't know how to get out of this in any other way than to sort of minimize the damage as much as he can. But in his dream, the angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph and says, do not be afraid to marry Mary, to take her as your wife because, and this is the part that Joseph would really would have had problems with if he were me or if I were him, because the angel, God's voice, says to Joseph in the dream, the child in her is of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit, or ruach, to use the Hebrew word, that hovered over the unformed waters in the creation story in Genesis and created life at the very beginning. That same spirit has now made this baby happen. And he will save his people, the, the angel says in the dream. He will restore right relationship between people and God, between people and their loved ones, between people and their themselves. That's what salvation is, the restoration of right relationship with God and with our best selves. So Matthew, in telling the story today of this dream, to all of us sort of sleepy worshipers this early on a Sunday morning, this busy holiday season, has an agenda. His agenda is to explain something very important to us, to propose something that we have a choice, like Joseph did, to decide to trust, as he did, or to to, to, to disregard, to ignore. You know, when ancient peoples wondered why the sun comes up they didn't talk about gasses and you know light years and you know all the different sort of scientific understandings of space they told a story when people asked the question of why innocent people suffer ancient people told a story they didn't go into some sort of theoretical discussion and you know we tell stories too to answer the most profound questions at a dinner party when you've met someone for the first time The first thing you say to someone you're just getting to know is, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? What's your body fat mass content? Now, what you do through a series of questions is sort of say, what's your story? Someone asks you who you are, and you say, well, let me tell you about where I was born or where I grew up or uh, my parents or my grandparents or see certain events in my life which really were important to me. Let me tell you what I've been through, what I've seen and experienced. That's who I am. Well, for Matthew, the gospel writer, the question of who is God has an answer. And it's not that God is some guy up in the air with a long beard, looks like ZZ Top. God is not some sort of, you know, ontological mass up there in our minds or somewhere in whatever heaven is. God is not a numinous content beyond the range of our psycho-spiritual capacities intimate however in its proximity to our neurological transport receptors no for Matthew the answer to the question of who is God is the story of Jesus the story that he tells today and then tells in the rest of his gospel because for Matthew the gospel writer the story of Jesus is how we talk about God And that story, at least in the part we're looking at today, tells us three things. First is God is a God of real life, not our sanitized, cleaned up, Sunday morning best life, but rather our real life. Joseph had a real problem. Anybody out there, by a show of hands, had a real, ever had a real problem? One that you didn't know how to get out of? It wasn't uh, as obvious to you? That's where God lives, not just in church on Sunday morning, not just during the holidays, but in the hard, tough, messy places where we live, where real challenge and real joy are found. The second thing Matthew wants us to know is that God is a God who keeps promises. Matthew has 11, what we call of fulfillment quotations in his gospel. Matthew's the only writer who keeps saying he tells a little bit of Jesus' story, and then he says, now this happened to fulfill what Scripture, Jewish Scripture, Matthew's Scripture, that he grew up with, promised us. And it happens here again today as well. We have a fulfillment quotation right here. He will come and he look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And all this took place to fulfill what has already been spoken. For Matthew, God is a God who keeps promises, and Jesus is proof of that. Right? This presence of God with us in the midst of our messy real lives, where we have to face tough choices, where we, are, we come to crossroads. God is a God of real life, and God is a God who keeps And finally, God, for Matthew, is a God who is always doing a new thing. Did you catch that Joseph is trying to do right by Mary, right? Being a just man, a good man, a righteous man, Matthew says, depending on how you translate it, he decides to put Mary away quietly. God's law, the Bible, says you're not supposed to have sex before you're actually married. And Joseph understands that and is trying to follow it the best he can. But the same God who set up those rules is now at work in his heart and in his mind through this dream saying, Joseph, forget all that. Don't be afraid. I've got a new plan. Go ahead and marry Mary. It's going to be okay. Don't be afraid. And that is the message of Christmas, really. Don't be afraid. It's always the message of the divine human encounter. We're terrified, we're unsure, we're uncertain, and God says, look, I'm with you, it's gonna be fine. I don't know exactly how it's gonna play out, and you definitely don't know, but I'll be with you, so don't be afraid. Fourth Sunday of Advent is the last Sunday in a series of Sundays when people wanna sing Christmas carols, and they want to already have everything lit up, and they wanna pretend it's already Christmas. But we who trust Jesus and understand that he has to come to us again and again, and we have to be ready, see Advent as a time when we take the time to dream of a better world and to dream of a better life for ourselves, dream of a better way of loving through ourselves. And so Advent is a time when we compare what is to what will be, to what could be, to what can be if we, like Joseph, just trust our dreams and let dreams make love real. I saw the other day that Bono, you know, the Irish lead singer of the famous rock band U2, and by the way, when I was in college in 1981, my very musical freshman roommate walked in one day with this album. Kids, back in those days, we had what we call LPs. They were big and round. They're called records. We played them on record players. And he he shook this record in front of my face and goes, you too, it's going to be big. I'm like, ah, I don't want to listen to that. Lobano has just come out with a new book. I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's called Surrender. And he says that that is the word that describes his life, life journey, and his life of faith best, surrender. I'm looking forward to reading it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But years ago, Bono told uh, a journalist about a Christmas Eve experience that he had which changed his life. So in a few minutes before we conclude, or at least I conclude today, uh, I want to just share that with you. The band, you 2 had just finished another long world tour and he was back in New York City. And on Christmas Eve, Bono, sort of un- unscheduled, planned, uh, uh, decided to go to St. Patrick's Cathedral on Fifth Avenue in New York City for one of the Christmas Eve services. And, Once he got in there and sat down and started singing and reading and listening, he started to feel sleepy and nod off. Sound familiar? To keep himself awake, he grabbed a Bible and started reading a little bit. And he happened upon this passage from Matthew that we're looking at today, Matthew 1, 18 through 25, the story of the birth of Jesus. And as he was reading, Bono, this famous person, this person who, when he says jump, everybody else says how high... He started to cry, and he says, I realized in that moment that my life needed to be more, that love needs to find form. Intimacy needs to be whispered. To me, it all makes sense now. It's actually logical. Essence has to manifest itself. It's inevitable. Love has to become an action and something concrete. It would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. Whether you decide or I decide now or on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day or not, it doesn't matter. Love, Bono is saying, has to find its way into the world. And that's something we can trust. That's something we can celebrate. That's what happens at Christmas again and again and again. While we're struggling with our real problems, our real challenges, our real packed schedules, our stresses, our remorse, our burdens, our distractions. Love is already at work. And it's in our dreams when everybody we know, every instance, we're all it's all kind of mashed in there together as Carl Jung said on this sort of dramatic stage. It's in our dreams that that perspective is given to us. Don't be afraid, I am with you. Just be your best self, trust that I am with you. Let love be made manifest. Let it find its way into the real world through you, through your decisions. We can do that this week. We can make love real, not only for ourselves and our families, but for everybody, the people around us, in small but really, really precious and crucial ways. Amen.